Welcome to the Calvary Chapel Naples Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you'll be blessed by this week's message. For more information about this podcast and other Calvary Chapel Naples resources, please visit us at ccnaples.org. Sometimes, sometimes trusting God can be hard. Sending, asking you to do or to say things or to go places that maybe seems hard for you to go. Well, we have a real treat today, actually. We have um, a missionary and his family, um, Dan Hoime, who's going to come up and talk to you about today the missionary work that he is doing in Angola, Africa. Um, so uh, at this time, I'm going to welcome Dan to the stage. Please welcome Dan Hoime to the stage, gang. Uh, Dan uh, and his family have been in Angola, Africa for several years, and so Dan's going to share with you this morning a little bit about what they have going on there in Africa. So take it away, Dan. Good morning. Can you hear me? Thank you, Pastor Aaron. It's great to be here. My first time at Calvary Chapel, Naples. Not the first time to Naples. We actually drove down yesterday from Merritt Island. Anyone know where Merritt Island is? By Cape Canaveral, Cocoa Beach area. Uh, we have a house up there. My wife's family is uh, from up there. Uh, we're staying with Ernest and Kathleen here. And uh, But anyways, we I have the privilege, the opportunity to, to share with you this morning about what God's doing uh, in Angola through, uh, through our work there. And um, hopefully you will uh, be encouraged. I want to start out just with uh, a video, uh, just about kind of gives you a, a general depiction of the areas where we're in. We work with some pretty remote tribes, uh, unique even within Africa, the, the specific area where we are. So go ahead, take a look. So we work with Overland Missions. If you, if those, if that wording was difficult to see, the the man who was speaking Kuvale, um, the testimony that he was giving was that for years and years he he smoked, he was addicted to smoking, and they have to buy these bundles of tobacco. That's the way they do it there, and then they roll their own cigarettes. But he said he would trade goats, uh, his family's wealth, uh, for these large bundles of tobacco. He would have to get up several times during the night because he had this addiction to smoking. And then he, he met Jesus and somewhere along the line he woke up and he just, God took completely the desire uh, away from him and the addiction of smoking. And so now he goes around and tells people, you should stop smoking too, God help me. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, I wanna encourage you this morning with some more stories like that. That man's name, well, his Portuguese name is Antonio. Uh, the, so the Kuvale tribe are a tribe that they, they live separately from the rest of Angolan culture. They, they haven't intermingled. They oftentimes don't send their children to school, so their children don't speak the language of the country, which is, does anyone know language of Angola? 
Portuguese, very good. And, um, and so they, so we learned Portuguese, we studied in, in Portugal six months so that uh, we could only speak through a translator to, to speak to these people. And, uh, but so they, they live remotely, they've wanted to stay separate, and for that reason, uh, as well as their geography, they live in a desert, the, the, the message of, of Jesus has not come to them yet. So about six years ago, we started with, a fam with three families. Each of us uh, had been working for Overland for a while, so we had other mission experiences, but we'd never ministered to people who uh, had never heard the name of Jesus before. And maybe that's difficult to imagine living in America. Um, but I mean, like going into a place and saying, we, we often would start with questions, you know, who is God to you? Because not, you know, being from their culture, you know, sometimes you don't want to make assumptions of, you know, where your starting point is in your message. Who is God to you? Oh, he's the one who created the world. And then that's about all we know. Uh, have you heard of Jesus, Jesus Christ? No. Does he live in the village over? Does he live in the, in the nearest town? No, he doesn't. Um, and uh, another response that we got uh, more recently was, uh, so this is actually, so the, the, the people group you saw there are called the Kuvale people or the Mukubal. Um, recently, and so uh, my family, uh, we've lived uh, and worked with them for five years, starting 2016, and recently we moved to another people group, different area, called the Gendalengo people. So same question to those people. Um, it, it, well, sorry, it was a different question. The question was, if God was knowable, would you want to know him? And one old lady said, well, if God was knowable and he lived nearby, we would first send the children and they would go and they would ask him some questions and they would come back and they would report to us. And then if we felt it was worthy, we would go travel ourselves and we would uh, sit and we would get to know him. And so a concept that there's a God that the God that created the world is a knowable God and desires relationship with us is just like, I mean, that's break, groundbreaking in and of itself uh, to, to them. So um, we started telling a lot of uh, basic uh, parables, the parable of the lost sheep uh, and, and things like that to, to, to you talk about how uh, God, we are, we are the sheep, he's the shepherd, he comes and he, and he searches after us so that, and when he finds us, he's very excited. And so we didn't really know what to expect as we came in uh, to, uh, to a location, to a people who had never heard, what's going to be the response? You know, is it like, you know, 10 years out before you, you get any, see any fruit and all that sort of thing. And, um, I'm, I'm happy to, to stand here before you, mm -hmm. uh, not taking any credit of our own, but to, to see that, that God has really moved, uh, amongst these people and, and hopefully through these stories, and, and through the uh, few scriptures that I'll read, that you can be encouraged that the same God who created the world, who, uh, who, who performed the miracles in the Old Testament and in the New Testament that we read about is the same God who's active in our lives today, in our communities, and he's active uh, uh, around the world. In fact, I'm reading a new book now. It's called Too Many to Jail. Do you know the fastest growing church in the world? Can anyone guess what country it's in? 
It's not America, it's not Angola, Ir Iran. And uh, if you know anything about that country, very repressive, uh, theocratic rule, and the house churches in Iran are just going bonkers, going crazy, so many people getting saved. And so, um, amongst a lot of persecution, amongst a lot of uh, oppression and repression. And so uh, just I want to encourage you this morning uh, what God is doing uh, in other places. And hopefully that can you can take a mirror and reflect that and say, you know, this is the same God. How is he moving in my life? You know, how can I make my and sometimes it's how, how can I make myself available for him to move in my life and use me to to impact others? And um, uh, you know, so as a missionary, one of the things we've learned is that um, oftentimes it's, you know, you don't really feel, you know, like we were singing songs and, and the worship is going and sometimes, you know, you really feel the presence of the Lord, you know, and, he, and he's with you or you're, you're, you're hearing a story of what God's doing or you're reading your Bible or something. Man, I know you're with me right now, God. But a lot of times you just feel nothing. You know what I mean? You're just, you just, do, you're just being obedient. You're just doing what you're supposed to be doing. But then the result, on the other hand, is like, man, like, Lord, if I could have actually seen that you were, like, right here next to me during that picture. And, um, and so, you know, John chapter 3, uh, Jesus talks about being born again. You must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. And, and literally, that means you must be born from above. You must have a heavenly birth if you want to know God personally. And the kingdom of God is not something only that we enter when this uh, world ends, when we die and we, and we go on, we pass. But the kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom that we enter the moment that we're saved, the moment that we call upon Jesus. It lives by different rules. It has different uh, forms of government. I love in Isaiah 9 or 11, whatever it is, where it talks about... <clears throat> Um, that how about the government of God shall rest upon the shoulders of Jesus. And, and I, I love that because it's a, it's a government. It, it's not a political force in this world, but, it, but it's a government. It's, it's a realm. It's a kingdom that's active right now, today, when you leave here, tomorrow. Um, and it's also something that we will uh, take further, a greater part in uh, once we, we pass from, from this world or upon his return. And uh, so Jesus says, do not marvel, I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear its sound, but you do, know where, you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Romans 8 tells us that uh, if, if you call upon Jesus, you are born of the Spirit. You are a supernatural being. You don't necessarily feel like a supernatural being when you wake up or when you're really tired, whatever it is, but you are a supernatural being. And actually, that's the most important thing about you. And if we can get our heads to think that way, we can actually begin to believe God for big things. We, 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 our vision can be greater than just what's around us because we don't live for what's around us. You know what I mean? Even like if there's a political candidate who, who um, you know, he, he supports Christian values. You know, sometimes we get really excited. All right, that's great, you know, but... We, we do not live for this kingdom. We do not live for this world. We live to bring people into, into God's kingdom. And um, so I was thinking about the wind. 
The wind blows where it wishes, Jesus said. You hear its sound. You, do know, you don't know where it comes from. You don't know where it goes. And, um, you know, just like hurricanes that sweep through here uh, and oftentimes cause terrible disaster, Hurricane Ian uh, uh, and others, that that wind has a force. I mean, it, it causes destruction. The wind of God, it has a force. And Paul, Paul says in, in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 1, verse 4, uh, he says, For our, our, we know, uh, beloved brothers, your election by God. Our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power and the Holy Spirit and much, much assurance. What Paul is talking about here is that wind. The wind has a force. The, 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 the gospel's coming in power, not just in word. It's not just a uh, it's not just a philosophy. It's not just a good book that you read, you know, once a week or, or whenever you read it. Um, hopefully more than that. Um, but it, 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 Paul says it's come in power and the Holy Spirit and much assurance. And, um, and we've seen that happen in the lives of, of the people that we've ministered to. Uh, Isaac, actually his, his Kuvale name is Kachapiva. He was the gentleman that, well, actually, uh, you did see him in the video. He was the one that was dancing like this at the end. Um, Isaac, uh, he actually was a Christian. He's Kuvali. He was a Christian because he lived close to the city before we arrived. But he was just doing other things, smoking marijuana, this and that. And he came. And when you start working with a remote people group, you find very, very few translators who can speak both languages, Portuguese and Kuvali, and very, very few more who actually are Christian. So we didn't know Isaac's spiritual state when he started working for us. But just like a year or two ago, he, he, he ended up telling us kind of, he was telling his testimony to somewhere else, someone else, and I was sitting here, and he kind of had this smirk on, the, on his face. He says, you know, the missionaries don't know. But when, but when I first started traveling with them, he's like, I would smoke so much marijuana. <laughs> he's like, my eyes, I would be so tired. They would come, to, we would go out to the villages. They always just thought I was so tired. He's like, but I was smoking marijuana. <laughs> but then he, but he we went on to say how God has changed his life. And Isaac now um, is, he's our main spiritual leader for the area. He's actually taken on the translation of the Bible into uh, the, 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 the Kuvale language. And um, uh, another man who was, who was also in the video at the end, uh, uh, Pacheco, his name is Antonio Pacheco, again, his, his, his Portuguese name. We met him on one of our first outreaches in the villages about, about uh, six years ago in a village called Capulopopo. And he... So, so the Mukuba live very spread out because they have animals. So the animals, every family, their animals need space and grass to, to eat and things like that. So their homesteads are very far apart. So we're camping in this one location, and there was one family that was close by. And at night, a lot of the ministry happens around a campfire. And at night, uh, different family groups came in because they knew we were in the area, and, and Pacheco was one of them. And he sat down, and he, he actually, years ago, years before, he, he had also accepted the Lord. He had gotten saved because he had uh, lived close to the city. Then he had gone out back out to the bush. 
But I say that, and there's very few of these guys who had ever heard of Jesus before. Anyways, and his meeting with us caused him uh, to start taking steps back uh, 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 to follow the Lord. And he was integral, and in, we translated the Jesus film, if you've heard of that, into in Kavali. And now he's also on the Bible translating team. Um, and just to see the, 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 the change in, in his life. There's another man, Katersa, who, he actually was the very first Kuvale man that we ever met in this town called Vire, where the Mukuba live around. And um, he was just, he was kind of living on the outskirts of this town, watching over this area. And we, so we camped by his, by his house. And then for years, he was kind of like, uh, not the only town drunk, but a town drunk, who would walk around and, uh, you know, just stumbling through this small little desert, you know, town. And oftentimes, so, but we just kept up relationship with him. We'd pass by the house, hey, how you doing? And we'd go out to the village, just come back, hey, how you doing? How's everything? And we met his brother one time because it, it, they, he actually called us. He says, you know, you must come pray for my brother. Whoa, what, what happened to him? Well, he's, he's crazy. He has demons and no one can control him. So, oh, okay. So, so we go, by the way, in Africa, the setting of witchcraft and demonic activity is like much more normal than it is here, okay? So sometimes you tell stories like that and you know, people look at you a bit strange. But um, just as it was in, in, in Jesus' day when he talks about uh, uh, taking authority over de demons, casting out demons, very much the case uh, uh, where we are. And so we go, we walk to where uh, Katerus' brother is, and he is completely naked, handcuffed, and tied to a tree. And of course, you probably think, wow, that's barbaric and horrible. But if you think about it, if someone is crazy, like there's literally like uh, uh, nothing that you can do for them. There's no mental institution you can, you can uh, um, submit them or, or bring them to. There's no anti-psychotic drugs that a doctor can prescribe for them. They literally, like, they just have to keep this guy safe, away from hurting himself. And so what do you do? You handcuff him and you tie him to a tree. And um, bring him food every now and then. And so we would go and uh, we, it, over time, we, just, we, we prayed for him, we would minister to him. And then we got the report one day um, he has been delivered from the uh, from these demons. He's normal. He has clothes. He walks around. He's he's contributing to life, and and God's moving in his life. It's amazing to see. Um, I want to tell you the story of Soba Kakwarta, who so, Soba it means headband. So he's the he's the leader of a village, and uh, when the Mukubal they're they're. Um, they're a resistant people, so they're not interested in outside influences. And so when we first came into the area, we actually visited his village, and he wouldn't permit us to stay there and, and to, to, to minister to the people. He just wasn't interested. And then we had gone around that year, and we were teaching on the power of prayer. So one thing about the Kuvale is that there's, there's, it's only a, a, a spoken language. It's not a written language. So there's no Bible. Um, there, 
I mean, there's nothing. There's no movies. There's nothing in the language. It's only spoken. So it, when you're thinking about missionary work now, like you don't say, okay, read uh, Matthew chapter 1, and when I come back next week, we're going to talk about what we've learned. You know, there's just nothing like that. And so uh, we began to teach people about prayer. And because we wanted people to, to not just hear about God, but we wanted to hear, we want them to know that God is powerful. And, and if God can answer my prayers, he can answer their prayers. So we began to teach about prayer. And every, every, everywhere we went, they said, well, what we need is rain. So, because they, they live in a desert. And so pray for rain. And so we, we, we began going around praying for rain, teaching them to pray for rain. And that year, it broke a 15-year drought. And I mean, just, you know, rivers full and grass. And so Soba Kukwarta, these guys were going around. They were talking about rain. OK, so I'll invite them to my village. So we came to his village, and we sat with six men. And in uh, uh, Africa would, what would be what you called uh, Angola, generally in Africa, a, a paternalistic culture, very male-dominated culture. So when six men sit with you for three days and hear what you have to say, it's significant, OK? And um, and so we, we just spoke simple things for three days. And so I don't know if they were like expecting like the rain to come immediately, like when we were there. I don't know what they were expecting. But they, so and when we leave, uh, they said, okay, thank you for coming. He's, they said, please, you prayed for rain before. Pray that it rains, because we need rain. Because oftentimes, it, the rainy season will be two to three months. It may rain one or two times in that time, and that's it. So if you can imagine trying to practice agriculture in that. There's not irrigation methods. They're, they are held, they are completely responsible on, on what comes from the sky. Um, so we said, okay, we're going to pray. He said, but you're also going to pray, uh, which culturally is a very new thing to them. The, the, the idea that you pray to a God who listens and hears. I said, so we said, okay, everyone stand up. Oh, okay, stand up. And now I'll pray in my language. You pray in your language. You ask God whatever you want from him, and we're just going we'll to see what happens. And so we prayed for a minute or two. Amen. Okay, great, great to see you. We leave. We come back a couple weeks later to the same village, and Soba, Kokorta, a massive smile on his face, he says, ah, I must tell you what happened when you were here, or when you left. He's like, the very day that you left, he said, it rained for two days straight. And then I knew that everything you said was true. And this was, this was in November. This was not even in the rainy season. And we have seen, actually, that specific miracle happen time and time again. We've been told that um, uh, in one village who, again, you know, pray for rain. We're so glad you're here, but give us rain, you know, is basically what they were, what they were saying, as if it came from us. And, um, and so we just, as a team, we went back, uh, we, we prayed, we fasted, we, and we drove back. And, and, and the Soba said, listen, it's raining in this village. It's not raining in the other villages around, but it's raining in this village. Thank you for your prayers. Um, but to see not only like the miracles and the power of God, but the life change that has happened in people uh, as God's working in their lives. So Soba Kakwarta, uh, he's now become 
an evangelist. I mean, he takes us to to the different uh, to different villages around, and as a headman, he he holds weight, he holds uh, influence, and and at the beginning, he would take us to a village, and he would just say, "Ah, these people are here. You need to listen to them." <laughs> and so, and then it was like, "Okay, that's our door," um, and. Um, and so, it, 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 yeah, it's been it's been amazing to see the 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 the, the life change and the convictions that, that that people hold. They're not reading this every day, learning about God. They have their their exposure to God has been the stories that we're telling them, their own personal prayer life with God, which we're teaching them about, and uh, so we, we 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 did the Jesus film. They now have the Jesus film in the language, uh, and many probably several several years down the road there'll be a bible in 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 their language but they they, they have little to go off of and god is moving uh, uh, amongst them one lady uh her portuguese name is maria she was a witch doctor we stumbled uh, upon a witchcraft ceremony it happened for three days and they were trying to rid these it was all women all women in this in this ceremony and they were trying to rid these couple women who said, no, I have problems with, with, uh, with demons and they're tormenting my life. And um, let me just pause to say, you know, in, in the first world setting in America, like I think a lot of times it makes us uncomfortable to talk about demons and, and all that sort of thing. But let me submit to you that, you know, um, uh, uh, certain not every, certain problems in your life, uh, certain things that cause you great amounts of fear, potentially, uh, they, they probably have a demonic root. And, and we have authority as Christians to, to take authority over things and, and pray and break uh, 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 things in our lives that can haunt us for, for years and decades. Um, and and to d discern all those types of things, go to your spiritual leaders. Like if, if you think that might be an issue with you or whatever, you, you seek spiritual counsel if you're unsure. But uh, anyways, these women just knew they had demons. Uh, again, it's much more cultural. It's, it's just kind of a thing that they have there. Um, and so they're trying to rid uh, uh, these demons. We, we walked over to the ceremony. It was three days and three nights of just drums. Do -do 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 -do. We walked over to the ceremony and we offered to pray for these ladies. And um, I said, oh, no, no, there were two women who were leading the ceremony. No, no, this is our thing. This is just the thing that we do, we're doing, we're contacting the ancestral spirits and okay, whatever. And so, um, so we left and we left the village. And then uh, a couple months later, we were again, we were back there and, and Soba Kakwartu, who's become our evangelist, takes us to a new village called Shipumbu, and there's one of the ladies who was leading the witchcraft ceremony, and I recognized her faith, face. I said, Soba, is that her? He said, yeah, okay. So she came to our meeting, and we just gave a simple gospel presentation, and she made a very definitive commitment at the end. She's like, you know, I want to follow this Jesus. I want to follow God. I want to leave these other spirits behind, and... Um, and, uh, and this is the way that, that, that I'm choosing, which amongst a people group who have never heard the gospel is actually fairly uncommon. If you can imagine, say you're 50 years old, you've never heard a message before, someone comes to you and says, this is a great message, you should believe it. You know, are you going to believe it your first time? 
Probably not, right? So there's, we've seen few actually like immediate conversions, but the Holy Spirit was just working in our life. And, um, and uh, we, I mean, knowing that she had led that, that ceremony before, I said, you know, we're just gonna lay hands on and pray for her. We pray for her. Nothing, nothing over the top happened, you know, it was just whatever, we left. Uh, we come back to the village a little bit later, a couple weeks later, and, and she's got a massive smile on her face. She's like, well, I have to tell you what happened. And, um, and she said, you know, uh, the moment you guys laid your hands to pray for me, the moment you put your hands on me, she's like, I was, I, I was very sick in my body. She's like, immediately the sickness left. The, 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 I, I immediately began to feel better. She's like, and now I just walk around the village. She's like, I just sing to God. She's like, I'm just praying. She's like, everyone thinks I'm crazy. She's like, I don't care. <laughs> and um, so again, just, you know, Second Corinthians chapter three, it says, um, Paul talks about how our letter, our lives are a letter of Christ, an epistle of Christ. And so he says, you are our letter, talk about the people of the church in Corinth. You are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by all men. Our lives are known and read by all men. We're, 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 the, we're the letter of Christ. He says, you're prominently declared to be the letter of Christ, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of the human heart. So the, the, the work that God has done in your life already is, is, is a sign, it's a declaration to, uh, to the world of who he is and his power and, and, uh, and his greatness. Um, we, we got back to America this time, uh, about around the beginning of, of August, and I was just reading my Bible one um, morning. It actually was when we were here in Naples, Kathleen, it was at your house. And the, the Holy Spirit just really quickened to me, uh, I believe it's uh, 2 Timothy, where Paul tells Timothy, he says, do the work of an evangelist. That's, that's what he tells Timothy. Was Timothy an evangelist by gifting? We actually don't know. I mean, the, the, the scripture doesn't necessarily say he was probably he was helping lead the church in, in Ephesus, uh, but Paul tells him, tells him to do the work of an evangelist. And, and I felt like the Lord was telling me, like, while you're here in America, you need to you need to also reach out to people the same the way that you reach out to people in Angola. So I thought, well. I was like, well, how do I do, what am I gonna do? Well, how, how do I do that? You know, culturally there's different approaches and people have different things that turn them off or don't turn them off based on what country you're in. And, and um, I was like, well, with the Mukabal, we just told them to pray, you pray, you do it. You see if God uh, responds to you. So I was like, well, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna offer to pray for people. So um, I was at a breakfast with a gentleman in, um, in Chicago, my parents are in Chicago. We were visiting there, and the wait, we were, you know, breakfast waitresses always so much going on. They're serving you their your food and pouring the coffee, running to the next table, and she gives us our food, and um, and I said, you know, I, I, I said we're gonna we're Christians. We believe God answers prayer. We're gonna bless our food. Can we pray for you for anything? She kind of looks at me. Uh, well, you could pray for my son and my daughter. She's like, I believe, but. You know, they, they're kind of doing their own thing. 
I said, okay, great. So we prayed. <clears throat> and um, the next week, I happened to be at the same breakfast restaurant with a different person, same waitress. And she comes over to pour her coffee. She kind of gives me a side glare, a side glance. And uh, she's like, are you the guy that prayed for my kids? And uh, I said, yeah. I said, I remember you. I said, how are they? Are they OK? She's like, well, I got to tell you. <laughs> It was funny because it was like the same thing Soba Kukwarta said, I have to tell you what happened before you left. This woman goes, well, I got to tell you. Um, she said, my daughter was in a horrific car accident last week, at the end of last week. She's like, the car was totaled. Um, and she, she called me. She said she didn't have a scratch on her. And she called me. She's like, mom, she's like, I don't get it. She's like, it was like there was this hand. Sorry. That was just over my life protecting me. And I said, wow, that's amazing. Um, I said, you know, we specifically pray that God would do something in her life to show her that, that she's real, that he's real. And, um, and so, and she said, yeah, it was amazing. I said, well, you got to tell your daughter, the guy at your work said that she, she you know, God's trying to get a hold of her life. She's trying to, he, he's trying to, you know, Tell her something, and you know God loves her. Jesus loves her, and so, um, you know, hopefully the uh, the stories this morning just kind of encourage you to, um, you know, and what what God is able to do. Uh, oftentimes, um, like the gentleman said uh, during worship this morning, we just kind of get in our daily lives, and we're I mean we're just as guilty as that. You know, even though we live on the mission field, you know, you got your kids, you got this, you got that, and you just, you, you, uh, you know, often, so oftentimes our, our purpose and our vision is just not on what, what God wants us to do. But the closer that we stay to him, uh, the, the more he desires even to, to uh, reveal himself to us. And I'll close with this story. It's, a, it's, it's an amazing story. Um, didn't happen to me. Um, but uh, yeah, long story short, we were in, in my early days of Orlando Missions, I met this guy named Romano. He's an Italian guy. He now lives in Indonesia. He's a, ministry, a missionary in Indonesia. So when Romano met Jesus, he had quite an encounter. Um, and just saying all these things, obviously every day of our lives is not filled with these crazy, amazing stories, right? But we, 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 the, the more that we walk with Jesus, the more we see his power. When he met Jesus, um, he was, so he, he, he grew up in Rome. He was uh, a thug. He was a gangster. He was a pimp. In fact, before he turned 21, he had been in and out of prison so many times that the police chief said, listen, Romano, like you, you come here one more time, and we're locking you up for good. That's just, you know. So he's super depressed. He hates his life. He hates his parents. His parents owned a little coffee pastry shop. And so and he was estranged from his parents. So he, he walks in there one day, because his plan is he's going I'm, I'm to, I hate my parents so much. I'm going to kill my parents, number one. And then I'm going to take my own life. I just, I'm done. So he walks into his, his, his parents' little pastry shop. And his mom sees him out of the corner of her eye, and she immediately gets rigid because he knows what type of character he is. And um, so he, she's waiting on a customer, 
so he, he just sits down and, you know, he doesn't want to make a scene. He just, he's going to wait till this person leaves and then he's going to do his thing. And as he's sitting there, um, the door opens and in walks Jesus. And he see, well, in his words, in walks this shining being, being, it was Jesus. And he, he opened the door, looked directly at Romano, seated to the right, with this massive smile on his face. And as he walks toward, toward Romano with this huge smile on his face, and he says, Romano, all you have to do is believe. All you have to do is believe. And, um, and so as this being gets closer, he just feels this warmth just flood his body. And he said he felt like the snake come up and leave, leave his mouth out of his stomach. And so he immediately believes in Jesus, he gets saved, he's a, he's, a, he's a crying mess, and his parents have no idea what's going on, because they don't see anything, they just see. So he gets up, he hugs his mom and dad, he changes his life around. A couple months later, he's living with his parents, he, get, he has a job, he gets a call while he's at work, his mom says, hey, your friend from Australia called, and uh, she's visiting town, she wants to see you. He's like, mom, I don't know anyone from Australia. And, and so, no, it, it, she's your friend, she met you, uh, she was on a layover. She's a flight attendant from Australia, later from Australia. She came to the, to the coffee shop and she said she met you. He's like, wow, I have no idea what you're talking about. So he ends up talking to this woman. What had happened was she was a flight attendant. She, she was, went into Rome for a layover, went to get a coffee. She walks in. She sees Romano. She walks over to him and she says, you know, hey, you, look, you really look down. You know, I, They had a conversation. I don't even know what she said. But what, what happened to Romano was what I described before. And it just, to paint the picture of who Jesus is inside of us. And uh, the, the impact that he can have on other people's lives through us when we don't even know what's going on. We just said hi, hi to someone. So uh, let me just pray for us uh, when I close. Um, Father, thank you for this time together. Uh, I thank you that you're good, that you love us. Uh, Lord, would you reveal yourself more and more uh, to us? Would you touch uh, the people in Angola who, who also need to know you? Would you bring them physical rain as they need it? Would we also bring your spiritual rain? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, thank you. Thanks very much. Well, I have a couple of takeaways <laughs> that just kind of blew me away. Did you know, did you realize before today that there are still people in the world who've never heard the gospel or heard of Jesus Christ? You know, there's people who haven't heard. Yes. You know what? Have you ever wondered, like, why is Jesus taking so long and coming back? Because there are still people who haven't heard. And he's gracious and he's loving. And he says, everyone will have a chance to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the first. It blows me away. Secondly, this story that he says where they prayed for rain and then they left and when they left rain came and then the chief says to him because it rained when you prayed now i believe everything that you said and we read about that in the bible happening all the time where jesus will use a miracle and then say you see the miracle now you can believe my words and people did god still works that way he still works that way the witch doctor wanted to receive Jesus Christ before 
she was healed from her illness before because it was the power of the message of Jesus that touched her heart, not the healing. Isn't that amazing? The story that he just told of, of being in Chicago and, and the waitress and praying for somebody, just as he said that, I thought, you do not need to go to Africa to be used powerfully by God. How about next door? How about at lunch today? How about wherever God is saying, pray for this person right now, right? It's powerful. Dan, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I'm going to have Dan come up. We're going to pray. We're going to pray. We are going to pray for Dan for more rain. <laughs> I mean, not literally here. No rain here. Lord, that's not what I mean. Yeah, Rachel, please, and bring your son. Come on, if you'd like. He's shy. Thank <laughs> Yeah, it's a big step, sorry. <laughs> All right, gang, pray with me. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for this uh, amazing couple who has just answered the call to go and serve you in a remote part of your world, Lord. You know exactly what you're doing there, even though I'm sure there are some days where your path isn't clear to them, Lord, they're faithful to go. Lord, I pray that you would continue to preserve them and protect them while they're there. Lord, I pray that you would continue to open up the doors that you've been opening. And Lord, continue to use the, the people from Angola to become part of this mission as well. Lord, uh, I pray that you would send the rain. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would continue to use miracles to cause people to believe your words. Lord, thank you, Lord, for continuing to wait for people to be able to hear and receive the gospel message of Jesus Christ, Lord. Lord, help us to, to ask that question of not, not can I be used, but, but will I be used? And to go out and be prepared to be used in whatever way you would have us to be that letter that Dan spoke about that would minister to other people so that they might get saved, that they might be born again, and they might be uh, included in the kingdom of heaven, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, so much. Please protect this precious family. And in your name we pray, amen. Amen. You're welcome. So Dan and Rachel are going to be here after the service. If you want to follow up, ask them any questions. Um, there's an offering box that's on a table back by the door that if you want to support their ministry financially, you can go ahead and do that. Um, you don't have to be a missionary to be a part of a mission. Um, we, you know, we read that in John's letter. He said, you know, when you support or when you take care of a traveling missionary in your town, you actually take part in the work of that ministry as well. So here's your opportunity to take part in some incredible missionary work. 